Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240, for Autumn Semester 2023. Today, review for the midterm exam, and we'll spend some happy time together as a family on that matter uh, here in a little bit. But first, let's have a look at our uh, numbers for the day, which are, of course, relevant because you will have a question on the, uh, a series of questions on a screen, so it is worth your while to know this. Uh, just for the exam, if no, for no other purpose. Now, um, well, let's see what's going on here. Let me find a, really? Um, give me a second here. Uh, I'm a little lost. What's going on? There we go. Apparently I had the screen set to the wrong magnification or something like that. But what we have is a bull day, and it did not start out as a bull day. It started out as a bear day. And uh, as you can see, the red was going along, and then about an hour ago, it well, a little more than an hour ago, it started to pull into positive territory, and it's rising very strongly now. It was going down ostensibly because of the uh, potential for a, a, a regional conflict in the Middle East, which of course isn't in itself bad for uh, business, but it would be in a situation like that simply because of the uh, critical routes for oil uh, that go through that area that could cause some disruptions in oil uh, transport. And of course, if nukes get involved, well, that gets to be sort of a game changer, but that's not likely. This will probably stay a uh, limited regional conflict. And, it, and it, it, it's not like this war hasn't been going on. It's been simmering for ages, and this is just a blow up, a flare up, and it's happened before. Whether it calms back down or not is another matter entirely. But it did spook the markets a little bit because, like I said, cut off of oil supplies and all that. You drag in some of the heavies. Right now it's a conflict, Israel and the Palestinians in the Gaza. But, uh, but if it expands beyond that, Iran is a big player because uh, there is a straight that goes cuts uh, by the side of Iran and they could mine that as they did many years ago or in fire uh, missiles, uh, sunburn and silkworm missiles at ships that were going through that narrow strait. So that could be a big problem if we, they get involved in it. Aside from that though, nah, not really. It's, uh, it's the markets shook that off. They were spooked. And as you can see, they're coming back up. And interestingly enough, if you would look right here, uh, just as a comment, for God's sake, don't ever take what I tell you uh, I'm doing as far as a position. But this is a NASDAQ index fund. Remember that index funds have numbers after them. And this is a NASDAQ 100. That is a 100 stocks 
in the mass of stocks that are the NASDAQ. And this takes 100 of them. And they have equal weights. And that would be in terms of not the number of shares, but in terms of the value, the market cap of them. Uh, so you'd have some low, uh, lower price stocks that would, there would be more, and higher price stocks there would be less, but they maintain the balance so that they have an equal value at given benchmarks in the portfolio. I think that's how that one works. But yeah, so you can take positions in huge portfolios, like the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, the Dow 30, and that's, you do it through ETFs. Or to some extent, you can do it through mutual funds as well. But anyway, just to show you that this is something that you can do yourselves and create well-balanced portfolios simply by letting the heavy lifting be done by fund managers. Now, moving on here, crude oil, it's in its range. Remember I told you about that 82 to 88. It found its way up out of that range uh, for a few weeks, uh, and then it's back into it. And as you can see, it's up for the day because of the difficulties in the Middle East, but it's not going out of that range right now. You notice that it's not spiking. That's, a, that's just a very modest climb up to 86.5 a barrel. And if you look at the price of gasoline, as I had told you, it is reflecting the lower prices of oil right now. It's gone down. Um, there were a couple of gas stations at 3.37 this morning. That, of course, in Chicago, that means $50 a gallon. But I doubt around here, it's pretty cheap. Boy, this is a rough crowd today. Gold. See gold popping? War. Yeah, the gold bugs. Oh, my goodness. This is the apocalypse in the land of the great religions and all that. So, yeah, they're going to get all kinds of excited about this. So they're going to buy gold. They're not having much of an effect. But you can see that gold is the the gold bulls are going a little bit uh, excited today. Now, here's an oddball. The 10-year bond, it just popped at the beginning. Yield went up. Prices went down. In other words, there was a sell-off of bonds to drop the price, push the yield up. You need to know that for the exam, okay? That inverse relationship. I will ask that. Uh, and then... Uh, then it just sat there afterwards. Do you see it? It's not going up. It's not going down. It just did that pop. And then it's just floating there looking stupid at 4.79%, which is an increase of about one and a third basis point. So it wasn't a big pop. One basis point, that's a hundredth of a percent. That's nothing. But still, it went up. And as you can see, the uh, euro uh, was depreciating against the dollar, and so was the pound. But they have recovered in the later part of the day here, so they're, they're not a, they're not back to where they were at the beginning. So technically, as of this point, both the euro and the pound, British pound, have depreciated against the dollar. Well, let me. See. Is that a green little tip there? Yeah, okay, fine. The British have found are appreciating down against the dollar. But okay, and the yen is appreciating. That the yen is backwards. So uh, it's that fall there means that it is appreciating. 
Okay, Nikkei, as you can see, it's just bouncing up and down, no real direction. About a quarter of a percent down right now, but nothing spectacular. It's sort of a drift. The same with the FTSC. It is just not finding any reason to be bullish or bearish. And so it's kind of up to us to lead the way. And right now, we're bullish this afternoon. Now, <coughs> if we're bullish, that can mean a lot of things. We still have a real strong economy. We're pointing toward a strong economy, which, of course, is, bull uh, is bullish. There could be rumors that uh, the uh, conflict in the Middle East, is there's going to be some kind of an effort to for a ceasefire. That could be rumors that are making it bullish. There are other reasons it could be bullish, but overall, it's not a spectacular day, but sure nice to see that thing going up uh, because you had some doomsayers last night saying, oh, market's going to crash today because of you know, that conflict in the Middle East. Eh, not yet. Now, now, if they start trading mushroom clouds, well, that, gets, that changes the dynamic a lot. But not for me, that, that would be for you, you're of draft age. So anyway, moving along here, let's get down to the business of talking about the midterm exam. Uh, well, I suppose I could put the exam up there on the overhead for you to see. Nah, 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 nah. Okay, but let me do quiz four for you, ready? We're gonna talk about quiz four. I'm gonna show you how you use the Excel sheets. I have improved them. I've made them so you're color-coded where you put numbers, where you don't put numbers. You start a job. Now, the three that are going to be your most critical, three that are going to be your most critical, will be the present and future value. Those are the ones to calculate annuities. That's the sheet for calculating annuities, the present and future value. The next one is the loan payment. That just calculates the payment on a loan. I'm going to give you one on the midterm, just like I did on the uh, quiz. Not exactly, the numbers will be different. And then NPV and IRR. Not surprisingly, that's how you calculate the net present value and the internal rate of return. You just plug the numbers in where you see white and leave the rest alone. Okay, so we're going to crank back through here, and we're going to look at this problem. You start a job that pays you a salary of $200 at the end of every week. So it's ordinary, okay, end ordinary. You plan to keep this job for five years. If you discount, discount tells you PV the cash flows from your earnings at 7.75% rounded to the nearest dollar, this cash flow is worth right now. So you see right now, it's a present value. So you go to the one, it's an annuity right here. And you're gonna crank on it on the present value. Let's see the information we've got. $200 at the end of every week. So the payments on it are 200. And keep this job for five years. Mm -hmm. 
just walk back and forth. That's all you do. And uh, you just count them. And oh, it's every at the end of every week. So that would be 52 weeks. And what did I say the present value was? Uh, the rather. And you're discounting at 7.75%. And there's your answer down there in the present value. 4303083. Now you'll round all answers on quizzes, of, well, definitely on the midterm dollars only. No sense. And that's all you do. Notice that you even get the effective rate. And I even got it here so you could do your loan payments problem on this one too. But there's your answer right there. You're not actually doing calculations. You're just putting numbers in where they belong in a sheet. Now we go over here. Next one. A company is considering a project that will have an upfront cost of $125,000. You go through it and they're asking for the net present value. So not surprisingly, you're going to use the NPV and IRR formula. And what you're going to do is just key in the numbers that are given to you. It has an upfront cost of $125,000. do not forget to put that as a negative in there. Negative $125,000. And then your uh, cash flows, your positive cash flows. 25, 40, 25, 60, 25, 60, and then third year. What's the third year? Ah, no. Third year. What did I say for the third year? 8,000. No, third year is 50,000. Sorry. Now here's where a number of you got caught. You didn't include this, the, uh, the uh, salvage value. Now I didn't want you to calculate that pain in the butt with the taxes and all that. I just wanted to make sure that you included that in the fourth year. So we go here and we say, okay, we've got 8,000 in the fourth year. Whoops, stop that. 8,000 in the fourth year with a salvage value of 3,000. So like I said, you just put those together as a single number, 8,000 plus 3,000. Did I put those numbers in there right? Oh, your discount rate. What's the 6.80%? 6.80. No, that's rounding. I, on the sheet, I've fixed it so that it shows you two decimal places. And there's your answer, $510. And so you would put in 511. I gave you a range from about 500 to 520, something like that. And there's your answer. All you have to do is put the numbers in. That's, that's all you have to do with these. And I encourage you to do this one yourself again. I've got the answers available to you. Now, it's even giving you the internal rate of return. So, not surprisingly, you've got this one, which is the same problem, just asking for the internal rate of return. And so, oh, 
Ah, there it is right there. Internal rate of return, 6.99%. That fast. I'm trying to encourage you. These look hard. They're considered the level three questions. All you have to do is know how to use the Excel templates, and you've got them. Now, going back for this one, where, what was that? Okay, this was how, uh, how much you will have at the end. So that would be a future value. So you'd go back to this one with the present and future values, and you pop that one. You're going to have in that one $75 every other week. So this one's going to be $75, and we're doing a future value annuity every other week, so that'd be 26 periods in a year, 52 weeks, 26 two-week periods. And how long are you going to do that? Um, six years. Six years. And what's your discount rate or your compounding rate? 4.29. And there's your answer, $13,333. It comes out that fast. Don't make these hard on the exam. You'll do okay. You didn't do as great on the quiz. That's the purpose, so that you know that this is what you need to do and you got to practice. You got the practice problem to kill it. And finally, one last one. Borrow $195,000 30 year. So, not surprisingly, that's your loan payment. 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, monthly payments. They'll always be month. I, uh, anyone that I give you will be monthly payments on a loan. So the APR is 6.79%. Yeah. And there's all, never a future value. That's why I've got this colored now, so that you know don't put anything in there. Leave it alone. And then, how much did you borrow this for this loan? You borrowed 195,000. So, there's your payments. That fast. All you have to do is fill in the white spaces, and the calculated, the shaded there, it'll just spit right out. And there's your effective rate. I didn't ask on this test, but I will on the uh, midterm. The effective rate is right there for you. It's 6.79% APR. That's an effective rate of 7.01%. That's all you have to do to get the answer. And I do give you a range, as always, as you can see from the quiz itself. You see there is a range there. That gives you enough room so that if you make a little glitch, you still get your answer fine. That's all there is to that. That is the bulk of the numeric questions. Now, there are a couple of other ones in this. One will be that I'm going to give you the current assets and current liabilities for two years. You calculate the change in net working capital. Again, I will give you the, the current assets and the current liabilities for two consecutive years. You tell me what is the change in net working capital. 
All you do is find the net working capital for each year and take the most recent minus the previous. That's your answer. Just straight up arithmetic. Okay. Now, what's the, oh, uh, one of those where you're calculating a capital gain and uh, dividend yield, you're doing the total holding period return. So on this exam, you'll have a stock screen. I will ask you about, okay, let me, I'm giving you the review. This is your study guide. You write down what I'm saying, and this will tell you what you need to know. Almost, I'm not gonna, I can't go through everything. You can ask me questions afterwards. But, okay, stock screen. I'm going to ask you about the risk. I'm going to, essentially, I'm going to take a screenshot and I'll do it Tuesday night of a company. I'll do a screenshot tomorrow night after the market closes so that it's, you've got new, clean, really fresh data. Okay, I'll say, okay, what is the risk level? Is it quite risky? Is it about as risky as the market? Is it less risky? I'll ask you if the stock uh, is undervalued or overvalued. I, hold on, let me mute this. Let me look at it, give me a second. Yeah, I told you about that time I was doing the review and the stupid thing was showing up there, the midterm. Back then the mute would stay mute only for five minutes and then it would turn back on. I didn't know that. So yeah, about that. A little touchy on that subject. Okay, here we go. That is off, yeah. A little bit jumpy there. Okay, here goes. Now this is what you've seen on a quiz. Uh, I'm gonna ask you, okay, if you bought a round lot, that's 100 shares, for God's sake, don't ask me, what's a round lot mean? It's 100 shares. I'll say, if you bought a round lot, how much will you pay? If you sold a round lot, how much would you, uh, would you receive? Okay. So those are two questions. I will give you one where I'm asking, is the stock risky or not risky? or about the risk of the market. And I'll give you one where you tell me whether you see it as overvalued or undervalued or approx approximately uh, of the uh, appropriate intrinsic value. Now, I won't make, I'll make sure that it's a stock that it's clear it's one or the other, not one where it's 28.96 or 30.42 where you can't really tell. It'll be pretty stark. What I give you. I'll ask you, uh, I may ask you, does this company trade, what exchange does this company trade on? Remember, the four letters 
just instantly you'd say that's a NASDAQ stock. If it's three, two, or one, probably the New York Stock Exchange, but you can look right below the big price and see where its exchange is. And then I'll ask you for the total holding period return for one year, according to Yahoo Finance. Just what I've been doing every blessed day for weeks now. You take the end price divided by the beginning price minus one, and then you take the result times 100 and add the dividend yield. Just like I've done every time. Just show me that you can do that now. Okay, so that's the stock screen. Now I got a little ahead of myself there. Let me give you the broad outline. First of all, again, you have you can bring one note card, a four by six, both sides. I would encourage you to write big enough so that you don't have to blow your eyeballs trying to read it. I've had some who've made a note card on an eight and a half by 11, and then they've shrunk it down so it's four by six. Not a good idea, but uh, if you want to, but it's front and back on that. You can also have your formula, your financial ratios formula sheet available for you as well. Yeah. Is it gonna be on the computer or? It's, oh yeah, it's online, it's on uh, Canvas. It's on Canvas, password protected, IP locked, so that it's an IP in here that can get to it in this building. If your computer runs out of battery, you can go downstairs. I'll see you down there uh, if, to use the computer in the lab if your laptop quits on you or something like that. But yeah, it's on the computer, and uh, it opens at exactly 2 o'clock and it shuts down at 3.15, it's 75 minutes. The number of questions is approximately, and I'll explain this in a minute, it's approximately 50. And I say that approximately because it's not, I don't think it's quite 50, but there are some, or maybe a few more, but there are some, like there's a matching section. You match the term, to the right definition or explanation of it. And those are easy points, I hope. If you, if you make, get one wrong, then you're in trouble because you'll get another one wrong. I don't do that thing where I have what are called distractors. Distractors would be, there are five uh, terms, but you get, go from a list of, let's say, eight. So three of them are distractors. I don't do that. That tends to get my car tires slashed, and I just bought new Dunlops, 225 um, uh, radials, R18s. Don't cut my tires, okay? But yeah, no, no distractors. It's just one for one on that. And then what the heck else? There was another. Oh yeah, okay, that's fine. Okay, let me walk through the grinder, tell you what I think you should know. Now it's my just my opinion, of course, but I did write the exam, so it's 
probably pretty trustworthy. You need to know the difference between accounting and finance in terms of costs and in terms of revenue and profit. You really need to know that. That's one of the most fundamental things. I started on it the first day showing disrespect for accountants and I don't do that for my own play. Well, yes, I do. Uh, but You need to know what liquidity is. And again, know the right definition, mine. You run to the internet, I guarantee you I have counted no fewer than on the first two pages, 12 incorrect definitions of liquidity. It was just last semester that I had, uh, well, spring semester, I had a student furious. I've got five different sites that say it's this. Yeah, I did. You were not attending class, were you? Okay. Now, here's one I did early on. Know the difference when I say the lender or the borrower. The borrower is the issuer. The lender is the purchaser of the debt security. Make sure you understand that. The, lend the borrower is the issuer, the writer, the borrower. The lender is the purchaser, the buyer, the investor. The lender is the purchaser, the buyer of the security, the investor in the security. So when a bank gives you a loan, you are selling a security. The bank is investing in that security. Make sure you know that. And you also need to know the difference between if the paper is less, if the loan is less than a year, it's called a bill. If it's, so in other words, if you borrow some money from a friend for a couple of months, you've issued a bill and your friend has bought that bill. From two to seven years in duration is a note. Maybe 10 or 15 years or longer, that's a bond. So make sure you know that because I did one of those on a quiz and I'm going to do it again on this exam. And again, use those quizzes as study because I pull questions off them. I copy and paste or I simply copy and paste and then change a few numbers or change the order of answers or something like that. Make sure you know what increases and what decreases cash flow. So if any 
current asset goes up, that decreases cash flow. If any current liability goes up, that increases cash flow. And vice versa on those. Make sure you know that. I'll, I'll do that in a question. I'll describe one of those current assets or current liabilities. I'll say it went up or it went down. What did this do to free cash flow? Know what I know the difference between market price and intrinsic value. Are they the same? Are they different? I gave you uh, some distinctive terms. Make sure you know what I mean by a spot price versus a, a forward price. You, madam, are going to sell me a cat in six months for $10. Is that a spot or a futures price or a forward price? Forward? Yes. It's not happening now. When you buy gas at the gas station, that's spot. You're buying at spot. You buy a cheeseburger at Earl's, all you can eat house of cheeseburgers and perpetual soiree. You will buy that cheeseburger at spot. Okay. Enough of that one. I can't believe how nice I'm being today. No different kinds of loans, like a car loan, that's a note. A bond that is collateralized is called a mortgage bond. Thirty day paper issued by large corporations borrowing money for 30 days. What's that called? Anyone remember? We should find that one out. 30 day borrowings by large credit worthy corporations are called what? Okay, here's one. No, like, also, know the difference between money and capital, spot and, few, spot and forward, um, primary and secondary. Those basic ones that I wrote over there on the board, different. Go back to your notes or to the podcast. Know what is in the risk-free rate and what is in the risk premium. I will ask you about that.
know which kinds of risk premia, risk premiums are in certain types of debt. Like for example, AAA corporate bonds. Well, they'd have a little default premium, and they're, if they're long-term, they'd have a maturity premium, but they wouldn't have any liquidity premium. A home loan. It'd have very little default premium, decent uh, maturity premium, and again, no liquidity premium. Credit cards. High default premium, pretty big maturity premium because no one pays off their credit card very quickly, but they also have a high, Ill, high liquidity premium. Make sure that you go back and you look at that lecture on the interest rate structure. You'll see it. Oh, I was going to have you actually pull up a company's financial statements in sec.gov, but I decided that could not that might not work if the internet isn't doing too good uh, around campus or the Wi-Fi. But I will ask you, okay, what form would you find this on? I'll give you a list of forms. Which one of these would you find such and such on? as ratios go, what I would do is I ask you about the relative sizes of or the boundaries on this on the number that you could see for certain ratios. Like for example, well inventory turnover ratio has to be less than infinity. You can't, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. It could be just in time. Oh, one like this, okay, um, which is bigger, the um, acid test or the burn ratio? Or which is, which of these must be less than or equal to one? I'll give you a list. And you, again, you're not calculating. You have to know what the formula is signify, mean. Know about liquidity and its relationship to intrinsic value and its relationship to expected return. Again, what is the relationship between liquidity and intrinsic value and the relationship between liquidity and expected return? Like for example, money is highly liquid, cash money. 
Does it have does it have big intrinsic value or little intrinsic value? Do you expect to get a high return by keeping money in your pocket, or do you expect a low return? Just think your way through it, and you should be able to get one or two questions just based on thinking your way through what liquidity means. Now, there will be some where I've put descriptions out there, which is an exchange, and I'll give you, I might give you uh, some different uh, letter and number things, which of these is an exchange, which of them is not an exchange, or something along the line of um, which one of these is the biggest market, would that be, you know, like the Standard Poor's 500, the NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange. Oh, this is one from, I think it was quiz three. How does the discount rate, re, discount rate relate to present value? When you lower the discount rate, what would that do to the present value of a future expected cash flow? If you raise the discount rate, what does that do to the present value? I will not ask you to calculate a notepad or a free cash flow on this exam. We go back through it on the, for the final, and by then it'll be a lot easier for you to do it. It's just that formula I've done, and I did it on a couple of Excel sheets, but I'd pretty much uh, thrown enough math at you on this that I didn't want to give that one too. Okay. And I've asked you about this one several times. What is the order of claims? Who has the first claim? Stockholders, debt holders, stakeholders? Who has the, the last claim, the, the residual claim? That's a, that's a big one. I've, I've said it a number of times, and I've, I believe that I even hit that on the first quiz or the second one. Know the relationship between, uh, for a bond between price and yield. I've said it almost every day when we looked at the numbers. And Now, the matching will have some that will be definitions, but it will also have some that I've said when we were looking at the screens, about resistance levels, trading ranges, 
those kinds of questions that you would have to be here and looking and aware of the what I was talking about so that you would know what to say, how to answer them. How will you match? What wears a resistance level on something? Or uh, something along that line. That would be, that, that might show up in your matching. Uh, just a number. Yeah. Uh, and trading ranges. Where do you see ranges? I, I've been kind of, well, it's been staying in this range and it broke out to the upside. There was resistance, but it got through it. Or this seems to have a resistance line and it broke through it and back, now it's way back down below that because the world has calmed down or something like that. Those kinds of things where I just set a number over and over. I was doing it deliberately because that's how you get it into your thinking is by hearing the same things over and over again. So that might be there. Okay, that's enough from me. It's your turn to ask me questions. What do you want to ask me about? Yeah. You said that it was going to be some matching. Is it mostly like the language? No, no, no. The matching will be There'll be numbers, there'll be words or over here, a definition or a description. And then you will match that to something on this side, a number or a definition, a correct definition. Oh, oh, I see. There's going to, uh, there are some where you actually click and it's a drop down. I have given up on trying to have people write, in, write words in because they can think of so many different ways to misspell it. So I just do drop downs for those. And that helps anyway because you're more likely to see the one that's right there. I, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so there, I don't think I have any where you type in a number. And there are a few where you click and it's a drop down. Which of these, just click on the one that's the correct word to fill in, kind of thing. Yeah? You won't have to do no pat. You won't have to do free cash flow. Yeah? Um, so what's the actual definition of liquidity? I've done it. Uh, I did it. I counted five different lectures where I did it, but I'll give it to you one more time. It's, and I will do it only once. It's the efficiency with which an asset can be converted to another asset. What else do you have? I had a hand up somewhere I saw. Yeah. Um, so during the exam, are we going to be able to like exit out to get to those Excel sheets? Or how is that going to work? You pull them up before the exam. You have those ready. Yeah, and just have them in a directory where you can, or even have them open when you start the exam in another in a separate window. Okay. Yeah, don't. I, I strongly recommend that you don't go trying to find them or download them from Canvas while you're trying to take. As a matter of fact, I don't think you could even do that because you're in Canvas to take the exam. 
So you need to have those already in your computer and ideally you have them already up and grumbling and rumbling at the start line to, to get going yeah. so that you don't have to worry about where the hell are those things. Seriously, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah don't, don't wait until the exam starts to go finding those but Excel sheets. Like, like, do anything with the exam, it's still going to be there even though you like... Well, yeah, if you got it in a separate window. Yeah, if you got it in a separate window, you just switch between the windows. Okay. Or have them side by side. Some of you like to do that kind of trick. But no, I, it, you may be thinking there's a browser that we are able to use, for example, it's called the Respondus browser, which locks down. You can't go anywhere when you are, you're in the Respondus browser. So you couldn't even go to your Excel sheets if, you, if I did it that way. But that's worthless to do because I actually hope people will try to get answers off the internet because they'll get them wrong. And I've even put in tricks into um, the numerical questions and some of the others so that if you try to give the numerical question to chat GPT, it'll give you a wrong answer. It's a, uh, I, I love AI. It's, it's actually, it's, it's really, really stupid. It's easy to figure it out. I shouldn't say that because I'm using some artificial intelligence to create some artwork now, but still have to do a lot of work with it. But yeah, uh, you're free to use the internet. You'll find that that's where you get buried. That's where a lot of uh, ashes are in my exams. I love the internet. And it's not just for the naughty stuff. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> what else do you have for me? Yeah. Say that again. Yeah, that's it. That you just said it. What did you just say? That's what you said. That's exactly right. I'm not even bullshitting you. That is exactly what you should know. I didn't want to say it, but since you brought it up, yeah. Someone give him some candy. I wasn't going to say that, but that's it. Okay. Okay, get yourself studying. Get a good night's sleep the night before, uh, before the exam.